Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Escott and Dayton Abbott. Dayton's sporting uh, a little bit of Vegas gear today, man. I don't know. The show is called Oilers Now. I might have to talk to him about that. Second hour of Oilers Now brought to you by our friends at uh, Digitex. Digitex, buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex e-commerce store. No need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. You're all in one convenient location, digitex.ca. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology, software, IT, and supplies. Uh, In this hour... Friend of the show, Washington Capitals broadcaster, briefly at Edmonton Oiler, five foot seven when he was seventeen. Played over four hundred games in the NHL. Al May joining us shortly, and uh, then we're going to open up the phone lines on a River Creek Resort Casino hotline seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three, and you can text us at six thirty six thirty on our Heartland Ford text line. You think all dealerships are the same? Think again. Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. Experience buying a vehicle on your terms with no pressure at heartlandford.com. Uh, there we go at Heartland Ford. You can uh, reach us on Twitter at Oilers Now. Me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer and Brendan, Brendan Escott. Without further ado, we are pleased to be joined on the line by Al May. Al, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, yesterday we had uh, Jerry Johansson, who, as you know, is the agent for uh, Brett Connolly on the show. And he confirmed that the Oilers have already uh, had conversations with Brett. Uh, he said there's six to eight teams in on uh, Brett Connolly. Uh, I know you keep a close eye on the Oilers. Uh, you watch the team often after the Caps play out east or on your off nights and that sort of thing. Uh, how do you do? You think Connolly would be a fit here? Yeah, I do. But you know, I read some reports when people were posting, you know, playing on the right side with McDavid. But I don't think he's a high speed player. He's a he's an excellent skater. He's a, he's a solid skater. We'll say. And I, I see at his best, he's on the third line, really contributing to a team. And, you know, when I look at the Oilers, one of the things on the roster is, is that bottom part, the, the, sec, the third and fourth lines. And he'd be a great guy uh, on the third line. And when he was handed that role the last two seasons in Washington, he seemed to excel. Uh, he was thrown away by Tampa, thrown away by Boston, a good reclamation project by the Capitals. And, you know, he, he did very well at uh, developing his game and, and turning into, I guess, more or less of a defendable player. And, you know, he was a big part of that Stanley Cup run as well, getting to getting pucks to the net, getting to the net himself. And he's at his best when he's getting to the net. And I, I know that two years ago when he, when the Caps won the Cup, most of his goals were scored within a stick length of net. Last year, a little more on the pretty shot, but they changed their style of play a little bit. But he, he's a guy that really could play for most teams in the NHL depending on their style. All right, here's the thing. He scored 21 of his 22 goals at even strength. And for the fans here in oil country, they're going, well, wait a sec here. We had Chase on at 650K, and he scored 22 games. And he's probably not looking at the three times three range. And, Mike, do you think Brett Connolly will get three times three, uh, you know, three million times three years, Al? Because I do think he'll get that. Yeah, I expect he'll get a three or four-year contract. It'll be in that, you know, teams are wise. It'll be below three million, but it's going to be, 
two and a half to three million if they're responsible, and you, you always want to be below three if you're you know putting guys in the third and fourth lines. But I believe he'd be an upgrade there. Uh, and at the same time, Alex Chason, I'm a big fan of. I think he really figured out what he needed to do to be an NHL player in Washington, developing. You know, getting puck. You know, his defensive zone play was solid and really tough on the boards. Getting pucks out of the zone, and that's such an important part of playing defense. Is the less you have to play in your own zone, the better. So I, I just thought his board play improved. He was a crash the net type of guy. I, I watched him score most of his goals last year in Edmonton, and he knows how to get to the net. And he pays the price down there. Uh, doesn't drop the gloves. I don't know if he had a fight at all last year, or maybe he said one or two in his career. But I think he's still a tough player. I think he's tough on the wall. Uh, gets the puck, so you know I, I don't think it would hurt them to have both of those guys on the team. All right, so here's where I'm going with this, because it might be an either-or situation, just because they got a limited cap space. Um, are you better off having? And you now, do you think Connolly and Edmonton could play as a middle six forward, sometimes on the second line, sometimes on the third? Because last year, Chason spent part of the season playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. They were not a great fit together. Very poor puck possession metrics when that trio was together. Um, but I think, you know, for either player, I think they need to be, you know, second slash third line guys. So, um, you know, are you better off three times three on Connolly or say two times two on uh, Chase on if you had to make a decision there? I still think you take both. I, I believe that Alex is more of a, a fourth liner. He's a third when he's going really good. But your team is, you have to have depth. We saw what the St. Louis Blues did, what the Boston Bruins did this year. And there was depth. There was contributions and a quality of play that was upper echelon for both of those teams. That's why they got to the finals. Uh, I, I think Connolly's a guy that can go in the third and the second. Uh, the second one, he's going really, really good. The third, all the other nights, that's what he was 100% a third this year in Washington. Yep. And, you know, he, he put up you know all of his goals on, on regular strength, and that's a good thing. I know Chaser, I believe, is somewhat better on the power play, but he, he's more of a fourth-line guy, and you know, it's a tough decision, but I still would expect, I wouldn't be surprised if the Caps took a run at Alex Chason and they got him. Really? Brian McClellan does a really good job of grabbing guys at the right price. And, you know, as far as reclamation projects, and I think that Alex really proved it. He fit in so well in that dressing room, and I'm sure the Oilers players loved him as well. Uh, but he, the Capitals need to upgrade their fourth line, and they'd have to have some consistency, and they had that when Alex was in the lineup, so I think they're they've kind of decided that they you know they're going to expect Connolly to get too much money. Except you know I thought they all thought the salary cap was going to come in at eighty three, eighty three five, and that yeah. changed some of their plans. So you know right now they have Andre Burakovsky who they qualified last night for three point two five million. So that may have changed them in regards to moving him out and looking for other players. Could, so, right so, now, yeah. So could he still be yeah. traded out? Do you think Burakovsky? Yeah, it's gonna. They 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 have to be very careful. I've said this on your show a couple times. He's gonna make them look bad. And if if he went to the Edmonton Oilers, he's a guy that can play in the top line. And if he's playing in a system where you guys guys get can absolutely fly like McDavid, and he can he can shoot the puck on the fly, whether he's left wing or right wing, it doesn't matter. I thought he just matured so much this year. So so teams, I would take a chance on him if I was a team trading, you know, a prospect trading draft picks. Uh, and I'm sure the Capitals are, are, are holding out for that hope if, if they can do it. But at the same time, it, they're not going to improve their team if he moves. I love the way he played down the stretch last year. All right. We're joined right now by Al May. Al, did New Jersey improve their team? I mean, they got Jack Hughes and they got P.K. Suman. 
logic dictates they improve the team, did they? Well, you know, the Jack Hughes thing, because we, we hardly saw him play at the World Championships. Uh, he is an excellent player. I, I love what his brother Quinn did in Vancouver. But, you know, he's still got to make the team. They, they've got a lot of good young players there. I thought they were, they were hit with a lot of injuries last year. They were a, a far better team the year before when they were healthy. But it, it looks like they have improved their team. I think P.K. Subban has to get back to concentrating on being an NHL player. He, he has to worry about only the play on the ice. He's got to put a lot of that other stuff aside. I think maybe in New Jersey because, you know, Nashville kind of, they really like the, the promotions off the ice and, you know, his community work. But the bottom line is I think you got to stay in your bubble. And if, if PK is healthy and stays in his bubble, he definitely helps them be a better team. But he's got to get back to, you know, being in, in a high level of shape. Physical conditioning has to get back to where it was so he can wheel with the puck. And if he can, they're definitely an improved team especially if they get everyone back from the injured reserve. Long-time Washington Capitals player and broadcaster Alan May joining us on Oilers Now. Al, uh, Roberto Luongo officially retires today. Canucks get stung with a recapture penalty, $3 million per times, three years. Ouch. But does this make it fait accompli that we're going to get the double Russian combo in Florida with Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin? It'll, it'll be interesting. I, I think they definitely want to go after Bobrovsky for sure, but Panarin is going to have suitors from everywhere. And it will be. This is a guy that can carry the puck end-to-end. Uh, he's got moves like you know very few other guys in the league. He's basically a right-handed Pat Kane, uh, can rag the puck, excellent on the power play, puck poise and patience, and I'd expect some monster offers for him. So with him, it's going to be who, who gives the, the longest deal and the most term. Then again, in Florida, they have the no-state income tax, and that's a great equalizer for them. But I would expect that Dale Talon would go all out because I know when the Caps play them, it's always a tough game to play against the Panthers, but they don't have enough you know, pure goal-scoring talent. And if Panarin goes to a place like that and plays with, say, Barkov, he's definitely going to put up 40. So I would expect that they give him the largest offer and make sure that it makes it tough on the Rangers and the Islanders to, to get him, especially with the tax implications. All right, you got a lot of uh, sort of the younger guys out there that are big in the analytics, and they just worship everything that the uh, Carolina Hurricanes do. Uh, that said, they take on uh, the contract for Marlowe and get themselves a conditional number one, which is a decent return for one year of Patrick Marlowe, I guess. But then they turn around and basically salary dump a guy they signed, Calvin DeHaan. What's your, and they got to get Ajo done, Sebastian Ajo. John Shannon says it's just over six million bucks. That's where the owner, Tom Dundon's at for Ajo. Like to me, Sebastian Ajo's like in the dry settle category. He's got to be an eight and a half million dollar player in an eight year term. What's your take on the uh, Carolina Hurricanes and what they do? Well, not, I'm a big fan of Sebastian Ajo, but since that owner's got there, uh, he, he's never been around the game of hockey. He's a pure numbers guy. And you know, if he wants to bully his players into contracts, it's gonna, he's going to have a tough time. I know that's why the Hannafin and Lindholm, that's why they were traded uh, to Calgary. He wasn't willing to, to give Hannafin uh, a bridge deal, a long-term deal. He, he, he wasn't willing to do it Lindholm as well. So those two guys go to Calgary, and they fit in very, very well. So he's stubborn. I don't think he realizes that the players have the upper hand, especially a guy like Ajo, who has been absolutely amazing. You know, Carolina's not a media market, but we get to see him a lot in the Metropolitan Division. This guy is a stud. He competes in every area of the game. He's a great all-around centerman and just continues. It seems like he gets better by the week, by the game. 
And if I were him and I was his agent, uh, I wouldn't put up with, you know, being forced to take a lesser salary. So maybe he's got to take the one-year, two-year deal, whatever, go to arbitration, and then force their hands uh, on the next one, or they have to trade him. They could just make it that known. But there's not a team in the league that Sebastian Ajo can't play on. No, I mean he's. I mean he's basically a, a first or second line center in every team in the NHL. Jerry is, Jerry Johansson, uh, Al also has uh, Braden Point out of Tampa Bay, and they are a different organization. Jerry said that yesterday. They're two entirely different because Tampa Bay do uh, reward their players. They sign their guys. Well, the, the greatest thing about you know the Tampa Bay is they've got no stating of tax. They've got a solid team, but they know. You interchange all those other guys. J.T. Miller wasn't a first-line guy. He didn't really fit in as a first or second-line there. They were able to get him out of there. They've got salary space. They've got older players off the books. And Braden Point, when you see him play on a night-to-night basis, this this guy can carry the puck end-to-end. He's, he's a weapon on the power play. His skating ability is absolutely phenomenal. And he's a worker. He's an everyday player. So he's a guy and Tampa will get him signed. They're not going to bully him into a bad contract. They're going to give him what's fair. And they're a lot better team, because I don't think if they make a trade, they're going to get equal in return. You know, it might be multiple players, but he's a phenomenal player. And a lot a lot of teams out there should pay attention to this, but I'm assuming, and I believe he will sign a really nice contract. Yeah, I, I think that's a slam dunk that that gets done. Do you think it's possible somebody offered sheets Mitch Marner or Sebastian Ajo? No, I, I think that's just a media, you know, that's just, you know, the, the, it's just made up every single year uh, for the amount of draft picks that you have to give up, how tough it would be. And then, you know, Toronto's matching anything anyway. So it, it, it's a ridiculous idea for anyone to go after and do that. I think you have to do it with the, with the other guys out there, not the top dogs. And it would be an absolute disaster for the Maple Leafs to let him go away and really would change the face of their team. So, there's other guys that they should move or, or or must move if they get him and he's stubborn on that contract. But uh, he, he fits in very well as a Toronto Maple Leaf, and I just think it would be bad business for them to let him escape. So I don't think anyone would be fool enough, uh, foolish enough to offer him an, an offer sheet. And I'll be shocked if there are any offer sheets this summer. Al, were you the first player out of the ACHL, the old Atlantic Coast League, to make it to the NHL? Yes. Yep. Wow. It's an amazing. I did not know you were five foot seven when you were seventeen. Yeah, and you ended and not, up didn't weigh didn't weigh a whole lot. Uh, and you ended up being what six one, two hundred and ten, maybe when you were in your prime. Well, I, I hit. I didn't crack two hundred till I was, uh, I think, twenty nine years old, thirty years old, somewhere in that area. So it was always hard for me to put on weight. Now it's hard for me to lose weight. But uh, it, you know, a lot of years of progress, and I learned that less is more is working out. And I finally started to gain some weight. You know, all of a sudden, nutritionists knew what they were doing and helped us pack on the pounds, you know, a few pounds a year or so. You know, now the players have such an advantage with uh, nutrition, the training methods that are out there, the skating coaches, skill coaches, all of that. We're all kind of doing everything on our own. And, you know, it's just changed so much nowadays. When you do have problems with putting on weight, there's an answer for it that's, that's legal and legitimate and time-tested, and there's a lot of smart people out there that are helping athletes, you know, be the best that they can be. All right, so you got in the NHL full-time in the NHL as a 24-year-old. You played 393 games in the league. Uh, I want to talk to you about Matt Hendricks. He retired. He joined the Minnesota Wild in their organization. He ended up uh, playing 607 games 
and he didn't break into the NHL until he was uh, 27. Did you have a particular affinity for him when he came through the Washington organization because maybe you saw a bit of yourself with him? Absolutely. I, and I didn't see any of myself. I never thought of it that way, but there was just something about him. I saw him when I was coaching the American Hockey League. And one of the guys that was a pro scout for us said, oh, you'll love this kid. And I didn't necessarily love him the first game, but the more we played his team, and I think he was on the Cleveland Monsters back then, if my memory serves correct. And there was there was something about him. The more I watched him, uh, that he was fully involved every game. They had, they had him on defense sometimes. They had him at all the forward positions. But he stuck up for players. And I know it's hard for guys who didn't grow up with it in, in junior hockey, the Canadian way, and, and played collegiately to step out of bounds like that. And that's not the biggest guy. But I, what I loved about him was no matter where he was, if he was a healthy scratch, if he was in the lineup, he was a teammate first. And the sacrifice on the penalty kill, doing all the little things, right, to, to, to play defensively, to make sure that he's getting involved physically. And his very first game with the Caps, I wish I could remember who it was. They were playing Columbus in preseason, and there was a player on Columbus that had done something to Obi the prior season. Matt skated straight over to him his first shift when that player was on the ice. Threw a body check, dropped the gloves, and fought him. And I just thought, you know, that kid just made the team. He didn't have a contract then. Bruce Boudreaux was a big fan. But, you know, watching him and hearing, you know, all of his teammates, no matter where he was at, the type of attitude, I am not surprised that he ended up playing as long as he did. Uh, I guess the only problem with him is the coach, he gets a little hypnotized by, you know, the hard work and the work ethic. And you might play him too much, but the secret was to keep him at that 10 to 12 minute area and not let him play too much because, you know, he would tap out as a scorer. He, he wouldn't be able to get you those, those goals. They're a lot the same as Jay Beagle, but just an everyday player, a heart and soul type of guy. And I'm not surprised that he walked right into a player development and coaching job. Yeah, well, I think we all, you know, have a real appreciation for him. It's interesting. Uh, I remember. Uh, you know, there was a couple times like Nail Yakupov. Occasionally, some guys tried to take some liberties with him, and he was he was one of those guys that you know Nail wasn't necessarily. I don't want to say Nail was unpopular, but he wasn't. You know what I mean? Like there's some guy. You know what it's like. There's some guys. Hey, if you're Matt Hendricks, you know you got to step up for Ovechkin. But sometimes Nail got some things started with some guys on the ice, and uh, Hendo was one of those guys that would uh, race in there right away and punch above his weight class. So it was. Uh, well, yeah. You know, and I, you know what? That's guys who have to figure out. You've got to find a way to be relevant on your teams, and it goes back to you know honoring, you know, remembering the history of the game and seeing what players did to to, to be important on hockey teams. And I, I know for myself, I had some teammates I wasn't particularly fond of, but they were really important to our team. And if anything was done there, it was myself. There was a group of guys that you just knew that you had to take care of that if you wanted to win hockey games. And, and Matt's a throwback player. Matt was a throwback player to how things were in the past. And, you know, you, there's not many players made like that. And, you know, he was a hockey player from the head down. He didn't have the greatest of legs all night, but he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and, and made himself successful on the ice. He was able to get to his hits. He was able to learn the game inside and out positionally. Uh, the grittiness on the boards, front of the nets, blocking shots. Uh, you need a lot of guys like that to win and uh, to, to be a good team. And most of his teams, you know, that's an infectious attitude to where he went. And every single player and every coach loved him. Al, great stuff. Enjoy free agency and enjoy your time out of the lake. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. See ya. That's Al May, Washington Capitals broadcaster. 125 will step out for two minutes. This is Oilers Now. 
This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 127 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan Escott, Dayton Abbott. This is Oilers Now to our Heartland uh, Ford text line. Bob, this text comes in out of Edmonton. Is Tristan Jari an option for Edmonton as a 1B goaltender? I think Tristan Jari could be had out of Pittsburgh. Uh, he has not proven to this point that he's an NHL goaltender. And I think there would be a lot of consternation in the Oilers fan base. There you go again, another former Edmonton Oil King. And that's the unfortunate situation when Reinhardt didn't pan out, Mraz didn't pan out, and David Musil, who was drafted as a Vancouver Giant, but, of course, got moved uh, to Edmonton. So food for thought on that front. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Then you. You can reach us on a River Creek Resort and Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. And text us at 630-630. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.